Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Excited to have you here with us today. This is our Tuesday episode of Locked On Blue Devils, and we've got a good one for you as we're excited to chat with Terrence Oglesby from the Field of 68 Network about all things Duke basketball and the look around the ACC. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. Again, my name is JJ Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore and follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Make sure you subscribe and get the podcast wherever you listen to them. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Without further ado, we dive in. We now get the opportunity to chat once again with Terrence Oglesby here today on Locked On Blue Devils. T.O., how are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. I'm getting over the sniffles, so that's good. Uh, This will be the T.O. and Duke sniffles edition. So if I sneeze or cough midway through, just forgive me. But uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, A lot of rust for your Blue Devils coming, coming off. Uh, you know, quite a long pause, but not a whole lot to get worried about. And you got to look at a Miami team, and I'm sure we'll get into it. That's a good Miami team, so yeah. that's nothing. That's nothing to uh, get too upset about. Well, I want I want to start right there. I want to start with this Miami game in the most recent game. I recapped it on our, our Monday show yesterday, but still talking Miami and then getting ready for Wake Forest tomorrow for the Duke Blue Devils that are Wednesday night game this week. Going into the contest, well aware of the scoring guards that Miami has. Uh, they're averaging nearly 90 points a game in all of their ACC games so far this season. Top of the scouting report, and yet some of their guards were able to get the job done and then Duke a season high in turnovers, really, really careless with the basketball. That's kind of what jumped out to me. What did you see? I, I think that's some of it, but I'm one of those guys, like, sure, Duke was a little sloppy. They were a little rusty. But some of these steals that Miami got, especially Charlie Moore, who mm-hmm. might be my age and your age, like yeah. these guys are old. And right. that's kind of Miami team. And that's the kind of team that can come into Cameron against a young Blue Devils team and go in and win. Because one, the moment's not going to be too big for you because you're 23, 24 years old. You got other things to worry about, a mortgage, like right. all this stuff. Like there's a bunch of old guys, right? And they go in, they don't have they don't have much to worry about. They take care of the basketball. And Miami's a unique team in conference in that they don't need a whole lot of ball movement to be efficient offensively. Now, what does that mean? They have Isaiah Wong, who can score by himself. They have Jordan Miller, who can score by himself. Cam Mcgusty has exhibited that he's been really, really good this season, creating off the balance and pick and roll situations. Duke thrives against teams that need ball movement. Miami doesn't need ball movement. They can just put their head down and go, and they can find ways to score. Four guys above 14 points. I mean, they're dynamic in how they can score. They have size. And defensively, some of the steals that Charlie Moore would have, and he took over the game. Uh, There's no other way to put that. He took over the game. Seven steals, five of which were in the first half. These were old man crafty steals. Like late switches, stealing bounce passes to the post. He knew it was coming. He saw what Duke was going to do before they were doing it. That's why they were able to benefit, and he was able to benefit. I will say this. For a, on a positive note for Duke, they're still the most talented team in the country. You know, you have five first-round picks on your roster, potential first-round picks on your roster. You're the most talented team in the country. They're not the best team in the country right now, and that's 
That's plain to see, especially coming off of COVID pause. It's going to take a second. And I think, you know, Coach K is quick to say, hey, we were rusty without saying, hey, Miami did great. And it's it's both. It's both. Um, significant for Duke to, to learn from these things. A lot of the problems that they had today, or not today, a few days ago, last Saturday, were more so young things, closing right. out incorrectly not moving the ball quick enough and attacking off the catch right away. Like small things that as the season progresses and you get into middle, middle of February, March, those things are going to be fixed. And that's why I would be so excited if I was a Blue Devils fan. Miami now 5-0. and They've won nine straight. Duke 2-1 and in the conference, their first loss on the season. Not only the seven steals from Charlie Moore, but the Miami team had 15 total, which is one of the highest numbers against the Coach K team that we've ever seen before an opponent in that department. A couple of lazy passes from Duke as well. I'm thinking of some pass aheads that they tried mm-hmm. to hit on breaks that were just sloppy, and Miami was sort of able to take care of uh, take care of that and go back the other way. Not as much rust, though, you're saying. It was. I mean, look, it was rust. I mean, when's the last time Wendell Morris had six turnovers? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it doesn't – it is rust. Right. So, like, let's uh, – it. you know, we're in such a tough – you know, points off turnovers, Miami had 17. That changes the game for you, yeah. right? Duke, who usually thrives in that manner, only had two. That's significant. That means they're having to score in the half court. And that's coming off a rusty, you know, however long they were out. I can't, but everybody's pausing right now, right. which is what makes it hard for the argument right. that they have rust because everybody has a little bit of rust. So to refresh your memory, they, they had two games postponed, the Clemson and Notre Dame game after winning versus Virginia Tech on Christmas. Last mm-hmm. Wednesday came back, had that game versus Georgia Tech had a season-low 37% shooting from the floor, one by 12 because they hit a million free throws, and then this was their second game back in action. Well, it should be starting to shake off now. Yeah. And the bottom line is they need to take care of the basketball and they need to clean up the little things, and that comes with being back and being on the practice floor more than anything. And Coach K is probably going to hammer him today, get him ready for Wednesday because they got a big one on Wednesday. And they and Wake Forest provides a lot of the same problems that Miami does. One, they're old. Two, they have guards that can create. And three, they've got length around the perimeter that if you aren't taking care of the basketball, they can give you some problems. And Steve Forbes has done an incredible job, too. I mean, Alondis Williams is the best player nobody's talking about, the best transfer in the country. And they've got guys that can make it happen. And physically, from a size perspective, they can keep up. So I think that's going to be an interesting game. Duke's clearly more talented, but better knock that rust off quick. Let me take an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit more about that Wake Forest game coming up with Duke and also review the season again with Terrence Oglesby, who's joining us here from the field of 68. But I need to tell you quickly about our friends over at GetUpside. GetUpside is an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up, that's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free. Use the promo code SCORE to get $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, and get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. Welcome back into Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson hanging out with Terrence Oglesby from the field of 68. So Duke's coming off the loss to Miami. They're now 12-2. and 
Again, two and one in the ACC. 14 games have been played for the Blue Devils. Terrence, this is your second time on the show with us. The last time we spoke, we were going into the year, kind of talking about expectations for this Duke team, a Duke team that was at number 10 in the preseason poll. They've already been ranked once so far this season. They've already had really impressive wins over the likes of Kentucky and Gonzaga so far this year. So while we've got you back here, why don't you review what you saw from Duke early in the season? Uh the talent level is second to none. Paolo Bancaro has been every bit as good as what we thought. Defensively, you'd like to see a little bit more focus out of the young man, but for the most part, he has every tool in the book to do whatever you need him to do on a given night. Assist to turnovers, probably not as good as you would want it to be, 32 and 32. But outside of that, the decision-making in general is there. Teams are starting to back off of him a little bit because if he puts it on the floor, he's not as good a shooter. But even so, still 34%. I mean, he's been pretty good so far. The surprise for me, J.J., and I'm sure it has been for a lot of Duke fans, this is the Wendell Moore Jr. that I thought a lot of teams were going to see last year. Yeah. I mean, a big, versatile lead guard who can initiate offense for you. Is he a point guard's point guard? Probably not. I think Jeremy Roach probably leans more to being a point guard's point guard. But Wendell Moore Jr. has taken really good care of the ball. He shot great percentages. And – he has kind of exposed his versatility as a player, guarding the other team's best player, playing and really playing through Trevor Keels and Ben Kira. While you do say, well, he's been aggressive with the ball and all that's good and well, but it's whenever he catches the ball on the second side is when he's been really good. And his maturation this season and his steady handedness has given Duke a chance to win in every game they've played. Look, this Miami team, like I said, whenever they – are playing well and not turning the ball over, Miami's really good. Duke, however, you play this same game in March, it's going to be, it's going to be handled. Yeah, it does seem like this Duke team is, is going to make adjustments from this. Every time they lose, they come out even stronger. They lost that non-conference game to Ohio State where the second half just wasn't pretty at all for Duke, and, and then they were able to respond with some non-conference wins and a couple of ACC wins. Uh, to get them to this point in the year. Tell me a little bit more about the other guys on the roster. You highlight the two stars there with Paolo and Wendell. What have you seen from the uh, other guys? The, the guy that has really impressed me has been A.J. Griffin. Yeah. It took him a second to get going. It took him a second. And Coach if K we had this conversation six or seven games into the year, we wouldn't be saying anything at all for A.J. Griffin. Probably he's not. He's really picked it up lately. Absolutely. Probably not. The kid is really built well. He can guard multiple positions, and he's shooting the ball really well. I don't think that was something that many people expected coming I wasn't, this. yeah. No. And, and, you know, he was a five-star kid, yada, yada, yada. I feel like everybody <laughs> brings in a five-star kid. But he's somebody that – has shown the ability to play off the ball and not need it on every possession to be effective. And that's something on a team with Trevor Keels, with Wendell Moore, with Paolo Bancaro. There's so much value in that. Right. And his ability to shoot the ball from distance has been what surprised me for the most part. And how quickly he got comfortable has really been impressive. And defensively, you know, Wendell Moore is probably your best defender. Mark Williams is there. A.J. Griffin is there. And then, you know, the unsung hero really has been Theo John. Because when, whenever Mark Williams is getting pushed around a little bit and you have a big physical guy, you can throw Theo John in there. We would talk about waves, just sending guys in at waves, so many bodies. There, nobody on the team's averaging more than 32, 32 and a half minutes, and that's Jeremy Roach, right. who is thriving a lot off the ball. And 
being relied on on the defensive end. I, it's a Duke team that has a lot of guys. I, I, it's hard for me to say it any differently. They are far and away the most talented team in the conference. They are the best team in the conference. Miami has now moved into that second position. But once they're able to get back consistent to consistent practice, which I think is a good thing, because from what I understand, I think the majority of that Duke team ended up testing positive and was asymptomatic, which now that everybody's healthy is a great thing right. because now they don't have to be tested for three or four months. Right. So like from my understanding, Duke's playing the rest of their season without any pauses. Right. That is, which is good. Which is great news for sure, especially in Coach K's last year. Like, that's the last thing we wanted to see them get in that position. Uh, Theo John has been excellent off the bench, as you're alluding to, to come in and replace Mark Williams. The last two games, his minutes and Joey Baker's minutes have gone way down. You look at this Miami game of the 200 game minutes, 191 of them were from the, the, the six that Duke likes to play a lot now with the other nine combined being between Joey Baker and Theo John. But you don't know, as you said, the specifics as to who's really working back into playing shape from yeah, but that's that matchup sort of thing and matchup as well. Tell me a little yeah, bit more about that. Yeah, that's matchup-based. I mean, Wardenburg from Miami, he sprayed you out. Where's uh-huh. Theo John not great guarding on the perimeter? Right. So having more, that you're doing nothing but pulling Theo John away from the bucket, which that takes away what he's really good at. So matchup-based – obviously is going to throw a wrench into some things. And then Duke, you all, you saw them at times in the game go small. But Bankero at the five, it makes it really interesting. They can guard a lot of positions. Was 27 minutes too much for Mark Williams in that spot? Was Duke not able to utilize him offensively? Like what? what's the – because I know he had six blocks. You can look at the numbers, 12.7 rebounds, six blocks for Mark Williams. But a lot of people going fine. into the game. Okay. I thought he was fine. I thought he did a good job. Obviously, three turnovers. You don't want that from somebody who doesn't touch the ball all that much yeah. outside of eight feet. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It, it, this was a team. This was a Duke team in that game that just struggled. I just struggled to take care of the ball. I, it's hard to analyze it more than that. Right. Other than they just didn't take care of the ball well. They shot it. Is it. Just, it is just one game. No, that's I, – I, I get it. It uh, is. Let me it's ask just you, one game in, in a long season of a lot of what's going to be a lot of close games because you know just as well as anybody, JJ, like Duke's going to get everybody's best shot. Yeah. That's just bottom line. Yeah, period. Uh, let me ask you about one game in particular for Mark Williams. I want to go back to that Gonzaga game. Again, catching up on everything that's happened so far this season. Uh, really asserted his will versus the bigs there for Gonzaga. I can remember several block shots at the rim and that sort of thing. Mark Williams' season as a whole, and maybe that that one in particular, what's he proving to, to maybe scouts at the next level? That he can be a vertical spacer at the, NBA, in the, at the NBA level, a la DeAndre Jordan, and he can be a better shot blocker than him. This is, you know, he fits the next level pretty well. He, he, he does need to cover ball screens a little bit better, but he's got such good length that he's uh-huh. going to be able to play the drop coverage that everybody in the NBA plays. So he – you know, he's he's just a huge human and he's got pretty good hands and he t- he covers the offensive glass pretty well. But, you know, he provides exactly what Gonzaga Gonzaga's going to struggle with. And Drew Timmy throughout the course of the season has struggled with big physical dudes with length. That's just the bottom line. He comes in preseason player of the year, uh, has struggled against guys like Mark Williams. So obviously he's going to assert himself against a guy that struggles with length and really doesn't have much vertical explosiveness in Drew Timmy. So I think matchups obviously help things. But even so, J.J., he's somebody that's going to be able to compete with anybody. Does he? People do tend to get under him. People like Theo John would be the kind of guy that would give him problems because he gets up underneath him and roots him away. 
But at the same time, like he's always going to be able to give your team a shot, especially defensively because of his length. The last player we need to discuss before we get into more of a Wake Forest-specific preview and talk other things around the ACC, uh, not a whole lot of talk from us so far about Trevor Keels, who was the player for Duke in that Kentucky game to start the season. Everybody nationally was talking about him. Percentages have gone down for him throughout the course of the season, uh, but he's always given it his all on the defensive end of the floor, playing a lot for Duke. What have you seen out of Trevor Keels? You know, he started out so well. Everybody's like, wow, this is a high lottery pick, yada, yada, yada. I, I think a lot of it, too, is I've alluded to it before, JJ. I can't remember if it was with you or another show where it was like, well, he's 230 pounds. That's a lot of weight to carry for an entire season. But after watching him play in that opening game, we're all like, hey, man, this guy carries it well. And he plays <laughs> so low to the ground. Like, that's a lot of weight, though. As the season carries on, there's a cumulative effect to that. And not saying that he's not going to figure it out, but he also has to realize that he's probably the third option right now. And there was a point where we thought Trevor Keels was going to be the alpha for the season. Paolo Bancaro was going to lead him in scoring. But it's been Wendell Moore. Yeah. So him, I think Keels probably could do, do a better job of attacking off the catch as opposed to – doing a lot of stuff off the dribble and trying to get a lot of pick and roll situations. If he attacks off the catch because he's such a quality catch and shoot three point shooter, I think it'll serve him better. It's just, man, he's settled for a lot of tough shots and that makes it really difficult. And and he's a freshman, right? Let's call it what it is. I think he's a, a thicker Corey Maggette. I, I don't think that's a crazy comparison to make guys that can score a lot in bunches struggled with a little bit of consistency, at least this season Kills has, and that's yeah. how Maggette was too. Whenever he got to the pros, he'd have a 50 point night and he'd go show up for 12. So I don't think that's a crazy comparison to make. Um, I do think that in order for him to improve his stock and Duke's guys, if you go to Duke, you're wanting to be a one and done. I'm not telling tales out of school here. Yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, he, he needs to shoot better percentages 40, 30, 70 is probably not optimal. But he does show the ability to get places off the dribble. It's just a matter of selecting his shots. Because I was about to say, is it a selection problem? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes down to, hey, man, what what's important to you right now needs to be, let me get quality shots and play off of guys because we have so many weapons. And then my percentages are going to jump because of that. I mean, he's taking, what, 20 more threes than anybody else on the roster? Yeah. Probably yeah. doesn't need to. Probably right. doesn't need to. Let me hear a little bit more about the end of the game then, because you're talking about shots that were made. And it's funny thinking about Trevor Keels being more of that third option. A lot of people talking about Duke's got the three-point lead with 44 seconds left. Versus he is a Miami. third option, but I would say he's kind of the alpha. Okay. He has that personality, or else okay. you wouldn't be getting those shots, right? For sure. No, I, totally. Was there anything different that you would have done in those last 44 seconds? You know what? You, you got 0.9 seconds left. Is that what it yeah. was? That, so no dribbles. you got to shoot it. It's got to be there close. You can turn and catch and shoot in a second. Um, to be honest with you, they, they were so much more athletic Duke was than Miami is, especially at the four and the five position. Why isn't there something going to the rim? Especially yeah. what were you down to down to down to like, I, I would have thrown something at the rim yeah. uh, because Mark Williams and Paolo, when it comes to sheer athleticism, those guys are really, really, they're up there. And yeah. a lot of NBA scouts are saying, well, Paolo Bancaro doesn't have top end athleticism. What are they watching? Right. Uh, so 
that's probably what I would have done, but I'm not going to uh, question Coach K's decision-making. He's won <laughs> a lot of basketball games. But I, I did think – It was an open look for Keels, too. I mean, he – I mean, it, somewhat, but he's 40 feet away. Right. I, who's not getting an open look to win the game at 40 sure. feet? Inbounding the ball from the side. I mean, it was weird because Duke didn't have any timeouts left. Right. It was a very clear out-of-bounds on Duke – or on Miami – it was 0.2 of a second. They it wanted to look at the clock. Anything, <laughs> but for them to go look at it, uh, it was like you had that opportunity to draw something up really fast. Right. And you end up with a 35, 37-footer. And you got to get a look at it, sure. But you would have thought that maybe they could have gotten something different. And I'm not taking away from Coach K, guys, all you dookies out there. Like, I'm not taking away. I from don't Coach want them in your mentions. I just – I love the breakdowns that you like to see. So, yeah. the other because the other part of that was – uh, getting the rebound again, they go to the free throw line. Miami does with a chance to extend it to three, only go one of two. When Dell hits the pull or shoots a pull up three in transition with about eight seconds left, that's how the ball I was okay with that. Okay. I was okay with that shot. Like, I like here's I like that shot because yeah. one, you're down two, he dribbles right into it. That's a rhythm three, right. Like, like for a Duke player, for an ACC player, for, for a power six player, you walking into that shot is a good shot. Coming off it, dribbling with his left hand, man, you work on that shot all the time. Right. You work on that shot all the time, and it's at eight seconds, so you give your chance at a, you give yourself a chance at offensive rebound. I'm fine with that because that that gives you a chance for multiple possessions. I'm good sure. with that. The, just the last one, um, being down two, I'm all for trying to go for the win and everything, but maybe a little closer to the line if you could have manufactured something. Without a doubt. All right, let's talk a little bit about that Duke game coming up versus Wake Forest. Also, a little ACC thoughts. Again, Terrence Oglesby is joining us here from Field of 68, but I need to take one quick time out. Let me tell you about our friends over at Bet Online who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, and it's a new website forum. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Final segment here today, Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson with Terrence Oglesby from the field of 68, former Clemson sharpshooter joining us here on the program as we discuss the Duke game coming up tomorrow versus Wake Forest, another really surprising team in the open. You praise Steve Forbes, as many are doing with the way the Demon Deacons are looking so far this season. It'll be just the second true road game for Duke, their first being that contest at Ohio State that they dropped. What are you expecting tomorrow night? Well, Coach K hasn't played a true road game in how long, JJ? You had, you tell me. Yeah, since that Ohio State game, over a month. <laughs> I mean, more in general. That's uh, not yeah, no, it's game, been it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like in general, like he's not just voluntarily going to play at Ohio right. State, right? But that, but uh, hey, man, if it wasn't the ACC Big Two Challenge. I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah, they're not going to go out of there. Yeah, he's 100%. not. He's not scheduling. That's the jab um, everyone goes for. Absolutely not natural. Hey, it's Absolutely. not a jab. That's what happens. But you win national championships on neutral floors, do you not? Yeah, that's a, there, there's a solid argument. Yeah, there's also a solid argument for hey, man, like let's play Don't home. Get tested home. for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I got to defend my guy. I see where you're coming. I'm from. with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But yeah. like. 
eventually, like, how much more fun is it to have Duke come to your house if you're Michigan State? Or have Duke come to your house if you're Kentucky. Like As that a just Duke makes fan, the, yeah. I think it, it would be fun to watch Duke games in other arenas and venues that you're not used to. I do agree with yeah. you. I think that'd be cool to see. I do think yeah, that'd you, be cool you're, to see. And not only that, like this is something small, but you are taking away the opportunity for some of those fans to ever see you. Right. Sure. And for, you know, a Kentucky, like Kentucky Duke at, at Rump. And then the next year, Kentucky Duke at yeah. Cameron. Like yeah. that would be, that'd be that fun. would be big time. That, that would, would be, be big time. time. All right, so tell me a little bit about this Wake Forest game, Duke going on the road for the second time. Uh, Wake Forest, extremely athletic. Alonis Williams, like I said, the best transfer in the country. He is fantastic. I think two or three-time ACC Player of the Week. Uh, I know I voted for him at least twice. Right. And uh, I'm I'm a part of that Player of the Week voting thing for, for the conference. But, right. uh, man, it, they're talented. They've got shooting and they've got size. And Isaiah Musius, who was having to play the four of the first three years on campus, they've moved him to the three. He's benefited from it. They have a lot of weapons, and Alondis Williams really makes that team work. Now, his ability to attack the rim has led Wake Forest into being the number four team in the country and shooting inside the arc. So because they're so athletic and because they get to the rim so efficiently, they have been there. That's where I think Duke is actually going to help them win the game is because Mark Williams is so big around the rim. Paolo Bencaro can protect the rim. Theo John, you go in there and try to dunk on Theo John, see what happens. (laughs) So I think it's going to be a tough game for Wake. I think it's going to be an equally tough game for Duke. Now, keep in mind, like you said, it is at Wake Forest. So Mark Williams is going to have to do his best to stay out of foul trouble. And and they're just going to keep sending him. And they have a lot of guys. Jake LaRavia has some talent. He's an Indiana State transfer that can pull you out. So Paolo Bencaro is going to have his hands full. He's a good player. He's not, a, he's not that kind of pro that Paolo Bancaro is, but he's a very, very good college player with size and skill. So you're going to have to watch out. That's an intriguing matchup. The biggest thing you're going to see, though, how Wake Forest attacks the rim with Mark Williams and Theo John down there. That's going to be the key to the game. Offensively, what is Duke looking for, and how can Wake Forest match up with them defensively? You know, they have a guy named Dallas Walton who plays the five for them a lot. You're going to have okay. to continue to attack and kick out. I want Trevor Keels to be a little bit more relaxed if I'm coach. Uh, to, to play within himself a little bit more. And what happens when you do that is shots find themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think if you get him back on track, you can't turn the ball over. Duke doesn't run a ton of stuff, guys. Like it's five or six sets, let our talent overwhelm you. That's how it's been for years. And if you have those kind of players, why would you change it, right? So just take care of the basketball, be solid with the basketball. You get into the paint, you don't have anything. Wake Forest is going to have a lot of length. Come to a jump stop. Pass it out. Let one of your other playmakers make something happen. Be strong in your fundamentals, and Duke should be able to take care of business. Who's the ACC player of the year so far this season? You know, if they won more games, Darion Sebron would have a shot. At NC State. Yeah, I think Duke will see on Saturday. Yeah, if, if they won more games, they're just not going to win enough games. Alondis Williams should have a shot. He's been up there. Um for that matter, Isaiah Wong's making a case, especially after winning at Duke. Right. But right now, Wendell Moore uh, has been that guy just because of his versatility. He's been the guy that everybody, everything runs through for Duke. I think Wendell Moore is up there, and Paulo Bancaro is obviously a first-teamer as well. So it's Wake Forest tomorrow for the Blue Devils. It's NC State coming up on Saturday. Going into ACC play, again, for the longest time, Duke was the only team, the only team ranked in the top 25 compared to the rest of the league who are going – and everybody gives Duke their best shot. I understand that. But who are going to be some of those other teams uh, that Duke needs to be a little extra cautious with maybe? 
At Florida State, because they match up well size-wise, I think that's a good one. Uh, Virginia, if they enforce their will defensively, I think that's something you can watch. I, Virginia just doesn't have it this year. Right. They just don't have it. Um, to be honest with you, you just got to worry about Duke getting bored. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's at. Okay. Until you play Miami again on February 12th, like who's the next team you're going to see? Carolina at home. You should beat the brakes off of them because they play hard every third Thursday. <laughs> so it's like, you, you know, it's it's interesting enough. I, I think Carolina could give you some fits because they match up size and talent wise. It's just they just don't play hard. Of course, that's when Caleb Love decides to play. Is that one hundred percent? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see there. I think Carolina could give you some fits. Outside of that, Cuse will keep up because Cuse is Cuse. Because they're going to win games they're supposed to, they're going to lose games they're not supposed to. So it's they're always frustrating. But I, Duke needs to really focus on not becoming bored. I think that's the big thing. Let me give you one fun one before you get out of here. I want you to be able to reflect on your playing days. Uh, we mentioned it on our first conversation. I would encourage people here on Locked on Blue Devils, if you missed it, to go back. We dive into a lot of uh, Terrence Oglesby's matchups versus the Blue Devils playing inside Cameron Indoor and that sort of thing. Who was the biggest trash talker that you went up against on Duke in your playing career, Terrence? If you had to pick out one. I don't remember any of them talking. Okay. Uh, you got to also remember who, who all was on the team, though. Right. Um, it was Greg Paulus, Kyle Singler, John Shire. Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith. I don't remember any of them ever talking. Who was the guy who was an old ACC player? Demarcus Nelson. Demarcus Nelson. He, he might have talked a little bit, but I nothing. I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't ever really talk. Yeah. And I, I would turn around and say something to the fans, but I felt like if I took too much emphasis away from what I was doing, I wasn't very good. And I, I think that the trash talk element's a little overblown. It, there, it's only like the crazy people that are able to do that. Right. continue to play well. And I why, do we enjoy, why do we enjoy talking about it so much then? Just because it's entertaining? Well, because it's what you do at the Y. Yeah. Like you talk trash <laughs> at the Y. But you, the, the stakes are really high when you're playing. And, you know, there's certain guys that that's what they have to do. Is it to fair do. to say you've talked more trash at the Y than you did in the ACC? I've talked more trash now that I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, it's over. Like, come on. <laughs> like, now that you're older, you don't you, you talk a lot of trash. Like, my kids, like, I'm going to talk trash to my kids. There you go. Because there's a clear mental edge there. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Like, there's a clear mental edge between me and my five-year-old. Like, yeah. you can't, come on, okay? You can't do that. Like, it, there's, a, there's, there's more there. But, like, whenever I was playing, I, I didn't really talk a whole lot of trash until now. I mean, okay. you just wouldn't. Yeah. Unless like you it. like the guy. If you like the guy, you'll say something right. quick. But even I then, like, I would not even acknowledge the person I liked until I yeah. Terrence, this was great. I want to say thank you again for the time. I want to give a shout out to the field of 68 as well, because you guys have a lot of awesome things going there. Uh, Andre Dawkins, our former Duke national champion, yeah. has a podcast there with field of 68. And you guys go live like every single night. Tell my listeners yeah. about that if they haven't if they haven't yeah, seen it. At the field, it's, on, it's on Twitter. It's on YouTube at the Field of 68. I, I was just recently on with Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster last Saturday, and we had a lot of good things to, to say. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. You know, Doster is obviously a big basketball guy. He's the guy who started the whole thing, and everybody knows Jeff. Right. Better <laughs> or worse, everybody knows Jeff. And um, it makes for a really good show. You know, every night that we go on there, we have a big-time interview. 
And if there's a big time game that's being featured, you can guarantee that we're going to have the winning coach or the or a winning player from that team. I've interviewed Scott Drew. I've interviewed Steve Forbes. I've interviewed Johnny Davis up at Wisconsin. It just depends from night to night who is going to be able uh, to get on the field 68. It's a privilege to it be is. on the field 68. It, and, it seems it, like it. Is, it. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. A lot of nonsense, but a lot of fun. I'd love for people to be sure to uh, check that out each and every night. Terrence, thanks for doing this, man. This was a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you, JJ, for having me. All right. That's Terrence Oglesby. He's joining us here today on Lockdown Blue Devils. What a fun show it was. Make sure you subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.